Welcome to the Grace City Tampa podcast. My name is Alex Damari. Me and my wife, Brianna, are the lead pastors. Our vision is to lead people into a life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that today's podcast will build you up, lift your faith, and encourage you in the journey. Here's the message. You can be seated in here today. And uh, I'm going to preach a sermon that I felt like God gave me just for Grace City Tampa. I haven't preached this message anywhere. I felt like when I started praying, God gave me a set of scriptures and a, and a story. So I'm going to preach out of eight verses in the Bible this morning. There's so many. I, I could spend like the rest of this message shouting out all my friends that are in this room and all the people that it's so good to see. But what you can take as your total word for all of you is that God is very proud of you. I'm very proud of you too, but to see you guys step out in faith and do ministry to maybe where in Lakeland you were following ministry, it's, it's very special for me to see. So I'm going to not get emotional. I'm a dad now, so I get emotional really fast. But this morning, we're going to read out of Mark chapter 4, and we're going to read two parables from Jesus, and then I'm going to preach, and then, good God, we're going to invite that worship team back up because that was special, so you better be here tonight. But Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 26, it says this, Now Jesus also said, The kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, while he's asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and grows. But he does not understand how it happens. What a fascinating thing that Jesus would say his kingdom is like. It's like people who sow seed in the ground and don't understand why it grows, but it does grow. It says the earth produces the crops on its own. First the leaf blade pushes through, then the heads of wheat are formed, and finally the grain ripens. And as soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle, for the harvest time has come. Reading on, there's another parable we're going to talk about that Jesus teaches in conjunction, and it says this. Jesus said, how can I describe the kingdom of God? What story should I use to illustrate it? It is like a mustard seed planted in the ground. It is the smallest of all seeds but it becomes the largest of all plants. It grows long branches and birds can make nest in its shade. This morning, the message I'm gonna to preach to you, Grace City Tampa, if you are taking notes today, is called sowing season. What I believe this morning, because you've come here, when you've come here, you are a sower. If you're looking to understand what my role is in this church, if you're within the sound of my voice, my job and your job is to sow. Notice in this parable, Jesus says that his kingdom is like people who plant seeds and it grows. And then continues on and says, what would I compare the kingdom of God to? And he says, it's like a small seed that grows high. And when it grows high, everyone can find shade under it. I'm going to pray for us one last time over the preaching of God's word, and I'm going to believe God's going to speak to every one of us today. Jesus, we thank you so much that we have gathered here this morning for church. God, and on a beautiful day like this, Holy Spirit, we pray you would speak to us. God, we thank you that your word, God, will do what it always does, God, which is give us an on-time, in-season word for what we're going through today. We ask you for that in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen. I brought a picture of my family today. I think they may have it. You'll be able to see us in the background. Uh, that's my, my family. That's my wife, Natalie, uh, and my daughter, Ava. And uh, she's not interested in the picture, just like her father. There's another picture of her and them. But uh, my wife and I are going to be celebrating four years being married in June. And it's crazy. When you say it out loud, like, it's just crazy that how far God has taken us. Like, it doesn't, sometimes it feels like four years, like it was yesterday. And then sometimes it feels like 14 or 40, because half of our years were pandemic years and pregnancy years, right? So it's like, I don't even know how old I am at this point. 
But I was sitting here writing this message, and, and I don't know if you've ever had this moment where sometimes I have these moments where I like snap to, and I'm like, how did I even get here? You ever have a moment like that? Like, how did this whole thing even happen? Like, I remember the day, like, we have a kind of crazy story, but when I moved to Florida, the day I moved to Florida, I met my wife, Natalie, okay? Like, kind of random, kind of crazy. Uh, we didn't date for like years after that. Um, even after I told her I liked her, her response was, thank you, um, and which is always what you want to hear when you, uh, you know, tell a girl that you're interested in that you like her, and her response is, thank you, and uh, she made me wait another six months after before we started dating, and I just, I just laugh about it. It's crazy. Like, I was thinking about all these memories. Like, I've known Bobby and, and Kenzie Walker forever, but literally, guys, I was thinking about this. Like, when Natalie and I first started hanging out, nobody really knew, like, because we were just kind of, I don't know, being sketchy, keeping on the DL. I don't know why. But we ran into them at Tampa International Mall, like at the van store. And I just remember, like, these are two of the people that I'm closest to. And they were looking at us like, what is happening? Like, you guys here together? Like, and no one really knew we were hanging out yet. Like, not even that far away from here, we went on our first date. It was at Davis Island. And I just did this stupid thing where I'd never tried the restaurant we were going to. I just picked it out. And it was terrible. Don't ever eat at that Thai food place that's on Davis Island. <laughs> Unless you own it in here, I apologize. Maybe I just had a bad experience and a bad day all those years ago. But I look around at my life, I look at my family, and I'm like, how did I get here? Like, how am I a dad? How am I a father? Like, how am I a husband? How have Natalie and I been doing this for years? And anyone who's lived any extent of time here on earth, you have learned life does not ask your permission to move forward. Life is constantly taking ground. Every person I talk to when I tell them about how my daughter is doing to a T, every parent says, enjoy it because it goes by so fast. Right? Life doesn't ask your permission to move forward. And this morning, the reason why that matters for us is because I actually believe the kingdom of God is very similar. The kingdom of God is not asking your and my permission whether or not it should advance. The church is not waiting on certain people of faith. God will anoint. God will rise up new people because the kingdom of God is taking ground in Tampa. God will build his church in Tampa, whether it's through us in Grace City, Tampa, and how we step out in faith, or through another church. God is not waiting on you for the kingdom of God to happen. But when you decide to be a part of it, the insane part of grace and mercy and the love of Jesus is that even though God's not waiting on me, he chooses to use me. And if you want to hear a word from me today, if you want to hear what I feel like God told me to tell you as a church, you need to understand that you have come here at a critical time. There's nothing like the beginnings. There's nothing like the first fruits. There's nothing like the start of something. And we all know this about life, but we need to begin to understand it about the church. And what if I had to ask, if you had to ask me quite simply what I believe your task is as a church in this season, it's to sow seed. It's to be people that say, in faith, I'm sowing seed. In faith, I'm being a part. In faith, I'm choosing to make this my church home. So I want to look back again what this parable is talking about. It says that Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God. And so this is fascinating because throughout the Gospels, we may look at different things that look like Jesus' mission and apply them to our lives and say this is what Jesus would be doing here on earth. But what Jesus specifically said his mission was was to bring the kingdom of God to earth. 
What this means very crucially for our life is that he literally is saying you are to bring heaven to earth. And he could have described it in any way, but in Mark chapter 4, he uses this parable. And I remember years ago, I felt like I wanted to preach a message on this, and I didn't feel like God had released it for me to preach it yet. When I sat down to prep this message, he said, now is the time. And there's a difference in your life between when a word is released versus when it's not released. If it's when it's not released, it's a declaration. But if you wait until God releases you into a word, it's revelation. So Jesus says, this is how I would compare the kingdom of God to life. He said, it's like someone that goes and plants seed in the ground, has no idea why the earth does all the work and seed pops up. Now this is a fascinating thing because it sounds nothing like how you and I believe we're supposed to be successful. No, every book, every podcast, many sermons that you hear are talking about intentionality and talking about what it takes and knowing all the right steps and making all the right connections. But Jesus says, my kingdom is a mystery. He says, when you sow seed, that's our only job. He says, I grow it. Think about what he's saying. Like, now we understand the science behind it, but at the time, what a farmer is going to understand is maybe different types of seed. He's going to understand seasons. He's going to understand that he maybe has to plow up ground in a certain way. But even you, with your limited maybe high school, maybe college, maybe some of you are really smart scientific education, they don't understand the things that we understand about cells and about mitochondria and osmosis and chlorophyll and about the way that plants take in carbon dioxide and breathe out oxygen and this is the way that God intended for our planet to grow. Jesus looks at them and says, no, it's a mystery. He says, when you sow seed, I grow it. And this morning, I think that we as a church have to begin to understand that although so much of our life, the responsibility of knowledge is ours, in the kingdom, your response is not knowledge, it's obedience. In so much of my life, I live with the responsibility of knowledge. I want to understand. I want to know. I want to have all of these things played out. And Jesus tells us that in the kingdom of God, my responsibility is obedience. See, the responsibility of knowledge is not yours, but the joy and faith of building is. What an opportunity we have to be a part of building the kingdom of God. And as we look on in the story, Jesus makes such a point of it, is saying, we plant the seed, but the earth does all of the rest. See, the sower plays a limited part. And if you want to know what your job is in building this church and in building this house, it's to sow seeds of faith. The kingdom of God is not advanced by force. It is advanced in mystery. I don't have an answer for you for why people show up to churches. I, don't have an, I, I think I learned some things. I think I hopefully know more than I do. But I hope you understand something. That for someone that stands on a microphone and, and stands on a stage and does what I do, it still blows my mind that people come like truly, on Wednesday nights, sometimes I'll be sitting there before our youth service, and I'm like, man, I wonder if anyone's coming tonight. Like literally, like here, I'm like, dude, people showed up to Tampa. They didn't like see my picture. Like, good God, not going this Sunday. Like, <laughs> sick to my stomach. Like, you know what I'm saying? No, the kingdom of God is a mystery. And all of us may have some degree of answer of saying, this is why I'm here, and this is how it happened. But can you really answer the question for why you're here today? 
No, if your life is like mine, when I look back on it, the majority of it is like, I just kind of made what seemed like the next right decision. And now I'm here, and now my life looks the way that it does. And, and I think that God wants it to be that way. Because when the kingdom of God is built in such a way, only he can get the credit. See, in your and my life, most of our anxiety comes from, most of our fear comes from misunderstanding our role in our life. I truly do believe this, that for the majority of us, I'm most focused on things that I actually am not supposed to control. Like, I would ask you today, I wonder how much of your anxiety and fear is about things that God actually never promised that you could ever control. Most of my fear is about things like opportunity and timing and all of these things that God says are his. My job is to sow, not to grow. Kingdom of God will bring the growth. The kingdom of God is God alone is able to do that. The only thing that Jesus has called us to is obedience in this season of our life, in this season of our church. And Jesus continues on with this parable, the mustard seed. And I'm going to read these two verses out because I want us to begin to understand it. Jesus would do this often. He would share a part of a story and then he would continue on to the next part, almost to solidify and to personally apply the scripture to us. He says, how can I describe the kingdom of God? What story should I use to illustrate it? He said, it's like a mustard seed planted in the ground. It's the smallest of all seeds, but it grows to become the largest of all plants. It grows long branches and birds can make their nest in the shade. See, Jesus will oftentimes do this, but I think he's re-solidifying us understanding that what the kingdom of God is about is sowing seed. Once again, it's about striving. Once about it's us giving these things. See, we need to sow because what Jesus makes clear from this passage is that if we will sow seeds like that in the kingdom of God, other people will benefit from it. Can I tell you how bad this city and this county needs you to sow what is on your life? Can I tell you how badly we will miss our calling if we choose to be selfish with what God has given us? Now, I'm not talking about the pastors here, although it matters for them. I'm not talking about the core team and the leaders. I am talking to all of you that have chosen to show up to church today. You know how badly this city needs you to give what's on your life? You know what I mean? People are waiting just for what is on you, the hope and the life that is on you. Come on. I look at my friend Sal Jardina in the back. I love that he's here today. He's one of the most unassuming people you wouldn't know, but that man has given his entire life to young men through what God has blessed him to do, which is coach baseball. And I hope you know this, Sal, but I want to honor you today that the young men whose lives you are impacting, you are our example. Of that year upon year, giving my life away to see young men raised up to be men of character. I believe over your life, Sal, that you will not even know this side of heaven how you impacted generations because of your life. And when I look at people like Sal, that's when I begin to understand that this is so much bigger than what we do here on Sundays. We come here to be encouraged. We come here to be inspired. We come here to be built up in faith. But it is Monday through Saturday where I will make my impact and where I will change Tampa, where I will change this county. And what a mistake you and I make. We are unwilling to sow the life that God has given us. See, the only people that get hurt by that are the people that will never walk in these doors. 
And I believe that there's a responsibility that once I know, I can't go back the moment that I know. I'm sorry, I've ruined you for today. <laughs> because the way that God works is that we have moments where the Bible says we live in ignorance, but when truth is revealed, we are now, unfortunately, we have to decide what we're going to do with it. And you can choose selfishness. We do it all the time. We can choose to make it about all these other things, or we can say, God, if there's something you've put on my life, then I freely give it back to you. See, I believe as I prayed for you as a church, there was three specific areas that God told me to tell you guys that Grace City Tampa needs to sow into. If it's sowing season, it would matter then naturally what we are sowing, what we are giving, what we are giving our lives to. And I felt like there was three specific things the Holy Spirit laid on my heart for our church. The first one is this, and it's a really simple one for us today. We need to sow as a church into our anointing. Even as I say that word, that might be something that, unfortunately, weird church, like weird TBN church with guys with like even bigger hair than me, uh, you know, have, have commandeered this word and made you feel uncomfortable about it. But the definition of the anointing actually is really simple. It's, it's the extra. It's what comes normal, it comes natural to you that comes hard for everybody else. It's the thing that makes you uniquely you. I believe in the principle of common grace. So what the world might call the it factor, people in the church are blessed to call the anointing. And the reason why I've included this in every message pretty much that I've preached this year is because it's the word that God is speaking to me. Tampa does not need another church. It needs an anointed church. And the reason why we broaden the definition is because suddenly it stops being this weird thing about people that are up here with a guitar, up here with a microphone, and suddenly I realize that every person that calls upon the name of Jesus and is filled with the power of the Holy Spirit is anointed. Meaning that you as a teacher, you're anointed. Meaning you as a business leader, you're anointed. Meaning you as anything that you put your hands to and receive a paycheck for, you are anointed. And the problem is this, the anointing is only built by things that our world has stopped celebrating. It's only built by the private. It is only built in lonely places. And so the problem is our world stops celebrating private, it stops operating in the anointing. And you need to hear me, Grace City, Tampa. This city, this county, your schools, your family, your neighborhood does not need another you. It needs an anointed you. And in this season, God wants to stir up the anointing that's on this church. Can I tell you, because I come from home base of this church, that our church was not built by flashy preachers. It was not built by marketing campaigns. It was built by mothers, fathers, sons, and daughters that said, God, if you can use anyone, you can use me. Celebrate the private. Celebrate the secret things. Celebrate the moments that no one sees. It is in those moments that your anointing will be built to change this city. Second thing that I felt like God told us as a church we need to sow into is our song. What a perfect opportunity right on a night of worship for us to come here and talk about what it means to sow into the song of Grace City Tampa. There's a passage of scripture I was reading recently out of Deuteronomy chapter 32, and it's this famous theological moment 
uh, that ends up affecting so much of the Old Testament and so much of the nation of Israel, where Moses, in his last breath on earth, or the last things that he does on earth, he could have done anything. He could have absolutely given his time, his moments to writing, to do anything. But the Bible says that God told him to write a song. What I find fascinating about that is that we learn this, right? Science is always trying to catch up to what the Bible believes, but all of us would maybe know this, that it's much easier for us to memorize things in song than it is to memorize in word, right? Like, that's why I can teach my kid the ABCs. She's only one and a half years old and has no idea what it means. She can say ABCDE. She can go through all of it. And then she says, now I know my ABCs, which I'm like, do you? I'm like, I don't think you do, but keep saying it in faith, babe. No, um... Moses gets told to get given a song. And the Bible says in Deuteronomy 32 specifically that it says, teach this song to your children. Let it not depart from their mouth as they enter, as they leave. So I wonder today if the question I was to ask you is, what song is this church going to sing? Come on, on a night of worship, I wonder tonight if we would catch a posture of faith and what if this was actually the challenge that the Holy Spirit placed in front of us? What if the level that this church will worship was dependent on how we touch heaven tonight? Come on, what if the songs that we sang tonight and the faith that we lifted in this room to an almighty God, that that we were saying, this is what the floor will be for our church's worship. Because when I teach my children a song, what I am declaring over their life is that they will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And I believe, Grace City Tampa, we are called to sow into the song this church is singing. I wonder tonight if you caught that spirit, how much louder would you sing tonight? I wonder tonight, would you clap your hands? Would you lift up a song? Would you dance a dance of praise? If I knew that my sons and my daughters worship and level of worship was dependent on where I go tonight, I think it would mean that I would move aside every plan today. Because I begin to say, God, if my sons and my daughters are going to reap from that, then I will do everything I can. And I will lift up every song of praise and adoration and worship to you. The last thing I feel like our church needs to sow into in this season is our faith. I believe in this season more than ever as I survey the landscape of church, as I survey the landscape of what God is doing around our nation, I'm learning more and more and more and more that God has not called us to have fearful faith in this season. No, truly, I want you to hear something. I want you to understand something. You are living in the reality, in the fruit of crazy faith, but you will decide whether or not that faith come becomes a part of you. Will it be something that I glean off of or something that I live out of? And I believe that what this city needs is a church that's built by faith. Church that believes anything is possible. Do you need to be stirred up in faith again today? Like, do you need this morning to have a moment and say, God, I want to start believing for things that I've given up believing on? I've had to take an honest look at my life and be inspired by people like Pastor Alex and Brianne and other church planners. And as my wife and I look towards our future and look towards what God has for us, I ask myself the question, when that moment comes for me, will I take the easy way out in the city that is simple 
in the big house, in the easy, in the cul-de-sac I live in, because I like living in a cul-de-sac. <laughs> or will once again, just like I did when I was 24 years old, say, God, I want to go all in on faith again. God, and even if you've called me to a hard city, even if you've called me to hard ground, even if it's another step of faith, God, will I do it? Your children's faith is actually depending on the steps that you take now. So much of my life right now, I think I'm thinking about legacy. I've never thought about anything like legacy in my entire life. I've been very like, this is what I'm doing. This is what it's about. And suddenly when I hold my daughter, I realize, God, the steps of faith that we are taking right now will be the kingdom that my daughter lives in. And I want to ask you this morning, Grace City, Tampa, have you realized that's the kind of faith God's called you to have? Because if we carry that spirit, there's no limit. If we catch that kind of faith, there's no end to what God will do. If we started believing and stirring our faith and living our lives and making work decisions and making family decisions and making business decisions and making education decisions out of faith instead of fear, then come on, what do we believe God could do in this city? What do we believe God could do in this county? We got to sow into faith in this season. It's been too long we've sowed into fear, you guys. It's been too long that we as a church, and not just this church, but I'm saying the church. It's, come on, we've been on the sidelines too long. This pandemic, all of these things, I, I don't know about you, but I, I just can't live in a place of fear anymore. I have to say, God, what this has taught me and the chaos that it is our world has taught me is I am not promised tomorrow. So I'm going to sow in seeds of faith. I'm going to invite the band up as, as we're going to get ready to conclude my message today. I want to look in again one more time to what Jesus is saying. Because I think this matters for us. If there's anything I want you to catch this morning, it's those last verses. Jesus says, this is what my kingdom is like. This is what my kingdom is about. This is why we are doing this. And he says, this is the illustration about the parable of the seed of mustard. He says it's, it's planted in the ground, and when it's planted, it's the smallest of all seeds. But it becomes the largest of all plants. It grows long branches, and it says birds can make nests in the shade. This morning, I want to ask you that question of legacy. I want to ask you today whether or not you believe truly in your heart of hearts that the decisions that you're making right now will be the place that other people can find shade and find rest in. We're talking about sowing seeds of faith, we're talking about legacy. So many people in this room, I can just tell by looking, I feel like what the Holy Spirit is speaking to me, there's a lot of people in here that you making church a priority in, in your life is going to be a first time thing in your family. There's people in here that you spent the last decade running from God and running from God's house, and you would say you're a good person, you live your life with Christian values. But what I believe for your children and for your children's children is unfortunately their lives are not gonna be built on Christian values, they need to be built upon Jesus. Jesus gives this example, he says the kingdom of God, when it's done right, it's small seeds of faith. It's the mystery we're talking about today that grow into something large that other people can find shade and find rest in. 
to hear where I'm going with this Grace City Tampa. So last week I was in Spain and uh, I brought a picture in of this place we went to called the Sagrada Familia. And uh, it's a very famous cathedral. It's like one of the wonders of the world. I think the picture will come up. If not, you can Google it later. It's one of the most iconic places on planet Earth. And uh, I'll be really honest, like I'm, I'm never the person, like I, I'm, I'm much more of like an outdoors, like nature person. And so for me, like I've never really seen something man-made and been like, oh my gosh, I'm in awe. Like I'm, I'm blown away by it. But being in Spain this week, we went to this cathedral and we were doing this audio tour and that's the only way I can describe how I felt. Like it, it, I was truly in awe. And, we're doing this audio tour and they were talking about all the different things that these artists had done to make this cathedral happen. And even down to stuff, like I'm not really that artistic. So when every time like someone does something, I hear something like super artistic, I'm like, oh my gosh, how does your brain work like that, right? But even down to like the different colors that they used, they were half the building was about Eden and about creation. And those were all cool colors to describe the morning. And, and then other side was all these bright oranges, yellows, reds to describe that it was, that was about the passion, about the fact that Jesus died. I was walking around this building and I was in awe, man. I was just sitting, I, I, I only can describe it as a spiritual experience. And I was sitting there and just being like, God, like this is crazy that human beings built this. And listening to the story about the architect was a man named Anton Gaudi. Anton Gaudi was born in the 1800s and he was a part of this movement in art called the Modernistas, which in, you may have learned about it when you were in college, when you took that you know, modern art class that was the elective that you just did, because you know, yeah, so I took it too. Um, and, and Anton Gaudi was one of the people specifically that arose from this movement and Barcelona as a city uh, commissioned him to start building this cathedral. He's a fascinating man. He was a world-renowned artist, but the story is that the last 12 years of his life, he worked on no other project except this cathedral, the Sagrada Familia. I started learning about his life through this audio tour, and I just felt the Holy Spirit start to speak to me. So the Sagrada Familia to this day is not completed. Anton Gaudi began a project that he knew in his life would never be completed. And there's this quote that was on the wall at the end of the tour and it said this, a reporter asked Gaudi, he said, does it like not make you sad that in your lifetime you will never see this life's work, this world changing thing completed? And the, the story goes that without skipping a beat, he said, no, it doesn't make me sad at all because someone will come after me that will put their hand to this and will complete it. Oh, I felt the Holy Spirit start to speak to me for Grace City, Tampa. I wonder right now if you believe and if us as a church, we would catch a spirit that says, this isn't even about me. Because when I look at the children of the house, there are sons and daughters that will come after me and they will find their shade in my faith. And I may not see the completion. I may not see the best days of this church. I may not see the best days of my faith. But come on, there are sons, there are daughters, there are men, there are families, there are women. And they will see the completion. They will see the goodness of God. They will live in faith. They will live in the fruit. God, he said this as well. 
And one of the final quotes about it that he gave, (laughs) he said, you are to build the height of this cathedral to this specific level of meters. And they asked him, it was a random number. They said, why why is that the number? Why would we build it there? And he said, because the tallest mountain in Barcelona is 10 meters higher than this. And he said, I refuse to give my life and believe that something I'm building is bigger than what God has built. Grace City Tampa, I wonder this morning if you and I as a church could begin to catch a spirit that says, God, yes, I'm here building. Yes, I'm here a part of it. But God, what you will build, no man will shake and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Come on, church. What would it take for us to stir our faith? What would it take for us to say that my sons and my daughters and their children and their children's children, they will be blessed. They will see greater. They will have faith. They will live in abundance. Wouldn't they if we raised our worship and we raised our hands and we said, God, in your name, you reign. You'll get the praise. You'll get the adoration. You'll receive all the glory. Come on, let's shake this thing. Let's begin to lift our hands. Let's begin to lift our voice today. Thank you for listening to the Grace City Tampa podcast. Stay tuned for more weekly messages from our church.